I'm Gabriela Fresquez, and this is Radar 2021. Some of us enjoy art as a means of escapism. Others appreciate it for its cultural relevance. And some see art as a form of therapy. For example, my partner loves listening to classic jazz to zone out and chill, while I prefer dystopian drama that triggers existential dread and validates my anxiety. We all have our thing. The director of one of Austin ISD's fine arts academies has been cut. The principal told families it's due to budget shortage. But while many of us credit the art world for getting us through tough times, in the American public school system, arts and humanities programs are almost always the first thing to get cut when we're in an economic pinch. With schools kind of in crisis in general, uh, you know, arts always suffers. Arts is kind of one of the first things that gets considered, unfortunately. Art education is critical in terms of a healthy society overall. The ability to make meaning uh, individually, internally with ourselves and with other human beings. I don't think there's anything more intimate, maybe other than, you know, spirituality and prayer than creating together. It has to come from within. It has to come from what I think is the innate creative human spirit. There's a plethora of studies that credit arts education with helping kids develop skills like civic engagement or increasing their social tolerance. So who knows? Maybe things like theater, music, or visual arts could be a solution to the very real dystopian drama that's currently spawning on our social media feeds. I'm a writer. I think horror is one of the best metaphors to um, talk about the world and talk about intergenerational trauma. Unfortunately, in some ways, Latino culture has a has a culture of like, all right, don't like share too much, be like a little humble, be a lady. And I feel like I want to push against that and be messy. I want to get the chance to just write, to write love poems and to stay very with certainty that writing love poems, being in the body that I am, being the person that I am with the experiences I have, like is political. I am like haunted by things that happened to uh, my mom, to my grandmother, to like the grandmothers that came before her and how much I carry that in my body. And then finally, like I have this sort of privileged life where I can be a writer. And it's also like, all right, what am I going to do with all of these things that I'm carrying? And I think I am the one who's like lucky enough to get to process it. I feel like so spoken word and like the spoken word scene did something to our poetry that the traditional like poetry world was not doing. It was letting in people of color. It was letting in people of different class backgrounds. It was letting them like tell their stories the way that they wanted to tell it. It has like provided me this like jumping off point that I'm like eternally grateful for. Feminist Mexican painter and original selfie queen Frida Kahlo is arguably one of the most recognizable Latina painters today. But it was Frida's unapologetic depictions of physical suffering, breastfeeding, abortion, miscarriage, and how she owned her bisexuality that catapulted her to feminine icon status. Her legacies paved the way for artists today who continue to defy beauty standards and incorporate more inclusive depictions of femininity. My name is Gabriela Mendez. I'm a 20-year-old female photographer from Miami. I started doing photography when I was 15 years old, just bringing my camera to school and taking pictures of my friends. And it just slowly manifested into me wanting to incorporate more like art into it and adding my own type of like aesthetic to it. And it kind of just became what it is today. I don't like to shoot like white women just because that's what you traditionally see in every magazine, seeing somebody who has the capability to look different 
and shoot and I prefer to shoot like more POCs and more like women and men that are just bringing more to the table compared to always seeing the same thing that you see on Instagram all the time honestly I just prefer not to be doing mainstream work I'd rather be going at a slower pace and be taking the risk than be doing the same thing that everybody does that feels like greater risk to me and it makes me feel more unique at the end of the day than labeling myself as somebody who's going the traditional way and not doing anything different. One of the most powerful aspects of artistic expression is how it allows those of us who don't quite fit in to be exactly as we are. And when that uniqueness, that inner weirdo is channeled through art, it's usually what ends up being the most relatable and celebrated. As a queer Afro-Latinx artist, I feel like all of me is present in the work that I create and the work that I do. John and I share a bed for eight years. John bruises my arms for eight years. I'm always thinking about this quote from a, a poet named Nikki Finney. Me not being who I am is unacceptable, right? So I'm always just thinking about how am I welcoming myself? How am I accepting myself? And how am I encouraging other people to do the same? Growing up in a Dominican household in New York City, there was all these different real life environments and circumstances that I had to look at and examine and kind of piece together. I've been writing a lot about mental health, what it takes to um, encourage people to live fuller lives, which may just encourage them to continue to choose life. As somebody who's an advocate for young voices and young writers, I'm always just thinking about how do I get these young people to believe in themselves? I'm asking myself, how can I be as honest and authentic and genuine as I possibly can be within this line, within what I'm writing? How am I using my energy, my body and my voice to contribute to conversations that people often don't have? so that they know it is okay to have those conversations. From the enormously influential neo-expressionist Jean-Michel Basquiat, whose work made statements about racism, classism, and the wealth dichotomy of New York in the late 80s, to performance artist Ana Mendieta's work exploring society's role in perpetuating sexual violence against women, the Latinx community is rife with dynamic artists whose work addresses many of the most pressing social and political battles of our time. Street art really came from taking back and reclaiming of our culture in public space. These are the stories that we are painting on the wall to keep our culture alive. We actually have deep roots embedded in the community and that is our visual voice. So it's not just about the mural, it's about everybody walking by and all of the conversations and dialogue that they're having with intergenerational folks. Talking about gentrification, talking about issues that matter to us, talking about what's really important in our community. And that, I feel like, is the most powerful part of painting these large-scale murals, hands down. <laughs> I found a, an amazing program called Visual Element in Oakland, started by Estria and Fabiana, and they really gave me the tools of how to use my art in a, in a bigger way. And they taught me how to use my art to do like critical resistance, cultural resistance, 
they were they were very much taught us that it wasn't about painting a pretty picture on the wall, that it was about the message behind it. I want people to know that my work is beautiful aesthetically, but it also has a deep cultural re relevance behind it. And it's also my heart and soul. This is my purpose, this is who I am. A few years ago, a young woman by the name of Maria Mendoza hit me up and she said that she walked down an alley and that she had the intention of taking her life in that alley and that she saw this Chicana, Chingona character that I painted that I didn't even know still existed and that she felt so empowered by my art in the alley that she decided to live that day. And that story just sticks with me. Every time I paint, I think about her. I think about what I create and how it can change somebody's thought process, mood, feelings, anything. And hopefully if you can uplift just one person walking by and seeing your work, I feel like that's everything. That's, that's like why you do it. Activism is a driving force behind many artists' work. Historically, art has been used to tell the stories of the disenfranchised. Artists like Jean-Michel Basquiat, Jacob Lawrence, Jose Clemente Orozco, and many more have used their work to tell the stories of the class struggle, racism, and colonialism through an activist lens. Teresita Fernandez is a second-generation Cuban-American who's known for her public installations that present optical illusions. Currently, her newest installation is being built right here at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. I always say that landscape is really much more about what you don't see than what you do see. The piece behind me depicts the continental United States as well as Alaska, Hawaii, and what we often refer to as territories. The materials that I choose have loaded histories. By using these materials, I'm trying to tell a different story about the erasure of indigenous people and people of the African diaspora and Latinx immigrants who are often displaced and omitted in this story of who gets to be American. I'm interested in creating beautiful images. I think that beauty is one of the most effective tools and strategies to seduce a viewer, to bring a viewer into wondering about what they're looking at. My hope is that the piece will both be very poetic and very political, and that it will be very beautiful, but also very fierce and confrontational in terms of prompting viewers to imagine a country that could have a different kind of future based on understanding its past. Art and activism go hand in hand. Here in Nueva York, we are surrounded by activist artists making bold works. Personally, I love supporting the art world because I know that supporting them supports me. My passion comes from the streets. Uh Mostly because you know, I come from an immigrant family. My my family and I, we are from Juarez, Mexico. For me, graffiti was my first exposure to artwork that was on a higher level. And street art, murals, all these things that we get to see as a people, it, it all comes from you know, an authentic point of view. It's it's not from an art institution. It's not from a, a place of, of higher learning. It's, it's literally from the streets, from the culture. Being Latino, you always uh, want to come from a place that you can control your own narrative. And unfortunately, when you go to these museums 
and you go to these galleries and these, you know, elitist institutions, you rarely see a lot of young artists, artists that are still alive. And the same can be said about, you know, African Latino art, Caribbean art. Our work is just not held at the same level as European art, unfortunately. For me to paint people of indigenous backgrounds, um, children, women especially, in a very uplifting and powerful way, images that are impactful, I, I'm reversing the stereotype and adding this, this elegance, this importance to people that are normally looked upon as not as equal, not as educated. And I want to really change that narrative through the work that I do. Neo-Indigenous is celebrating the modernization of my culture and my point of view in terms of celebrating Aztec heritage, Mayan heritage, Olmec heritage, mixing in these different cultures with you know, hip-hop culture, graffiti culture, all the beautiful things that I got to experience growing up in this country while discovering where I'm from and blending those cultures all together. I'd always tell younger artists, you know, even older artists, paint with passion and paint with purpose. Some of the most visceral and lauded art on the planet is inspired by human suffering. But performance artist Paula Garcia shows us what happens when human suffering is the art. Drawing inspiration from the destructive political forces that plague modern society, Garcia channels her own mental and physical strength to demonstrate the resilience required to exist in the 21st century. Brazilian artist Paula Garcia uses her body as the canvas for her Noise Body series. Performance is it's about like feelings, it's about emotions, and it's about me being transformed from what I do. So that's why everything that I do, I do, I use my body as the medium. I don't use other people. The whole idea behind the magnets and the, and the iron pieces, it's it's really like a metaphor for like the system, meaning like the, the, the invisible forces that we are all surrounded by in terms of like politics, economics, uh, social. The Noise Body Series was part of an exhibition curated by legend Marina Abramovich. I started to develop also like um, like armors for my body, and this was a big shift. So then I I was given the action also for the public to throw the nails on me, and the nails were like really big. <laughs> it's like so the whole thing is really violent. Every time that I was doing these performances, I was like really living the performance much stronger, in a way because the whole experience, the claustrophobia the weights over my body. The performance is it's about like feelings, it's about emotions, and it's about me being transformed from what I do. This kind of like reinventing yourself and being strong in a way that you 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 can question you know the, the, the rules, you can question your government, you can question you know people that don't uh, approve your gender or, or your sex or, uh, orientation. You know how Beyonce isn't just a world-famous pop star, but a black feminist icon in the modern cultural landscape? Well, Tarsila do Amaral wasn't just a painter. She practically reinvented modern art in Brazil, incorporating modernist styles she studied in Paris in the late 1920s with her country's own indigenous forms to create something completely original and groundbreaking. 
Whether it's Beyonce exalting hot sauce in her bag to proclaim her Texas ties, or Amaral's shapes and colors celebrating her Brazilian heritage, when an artist connects with her roots, it makes the work feel more authentic. Heroes of Color was a project that I started in 2015. Its original intent was to educate my kids and make sure that they were getting an education that I felt was missing from school. I wanted to make sure that they were aware of other people that looked like them, that were accomplishing great things. For me to be able to see a child have more confidence and asking for more diverse content, you know, it reminds me often that art is my passion, but it's not my purpose. Art led me to my purpose, which is to educate almost all the time during Hispanic Heritage Month. If we see Latinos who are dark, they're either celebrities or they're athletes, but then there are some other folks who history has erased them. I wanted to highlight 30 men and women who were Afro-Latinos, who had accomplished unbelievable things. It's called Heroes of Latin America. The activists that are in the arts have been affected by something personally. I wasn't into this diversity work. That wasn't my goal. I, it was the furthest thing from my mind. But when I saw that it affected my daughter at the age of five, um, because somebody said something racial to her in school, another five-year-old, that introduced me to understanding the leverage that we have as creative people. It's not a, a question of we matter. In order for this society to evolve and to get along, these stories have to be told. Artists from marginalized communities understand what it means to feel unseen. And many have dedicated their entire life's work to rewriting the narrative when it comes to whose culture and experiences get to be highlighted. La Ochata Zine is a arts publication for artists of Central American ancestry. We'll take anything from paintings, photography, poetry, um, short stories, even uh, interviews or um, tweets music and music as well and video pieces. Um, the only requirement to be in the magazine is that you have some sort of Central American ancestry. Salvador, uh, Honduras, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Belize, and Panama. Oftentimes when anyone is talking about any kind of Latino artist representation, it's never really included Central American artists. And we both come from a photography like arts background and undergrad and we both just could, didn't see ourselves in the art publications um, that we were looking at and instead of waiting around for someone to create something that we could apply to we just decided to create it ourselves. Artists from Central American diaspora and Central America itself needed a platform and a space to tell their own stories and kind of shape the Central American narrative because it's not what's happening now in the media that you see. I think it's important to note that it's not just um, immigration themes or like these common things, themes that you would assume would have would be in the zine that is labeled as Central American. I think it's like taking back the narrative, right? Um, and just telling our own stories. I'm a writer, director in the film industry. And so when I was writing out my feature length scripts, I was like, what do I want to see on the big screen? And my first thought was Latino superhero. 
And so I was like, great. Okay. And then I was like, okay, if I create five Latino superheroes, I increase my chances that one of those five will be on the big screen. It's important to represent my community and my culture because we don't see that representation. Like I grew up, I'm East LA, I'm third generation Chicana. Like all I know are Chicanas and Mexicanas within my, my circle here. And like, I don't see us as cholas. I don't see us as maids. I don't see us as any of the stereotypes that we see left and right. So that's not what I grew up seeing. I see my mom. I see my grandma. I see my neighbor. So that is why people ask, you know, like how do you change your perspective it's always been my perspective that latinos are good people right like nothing's changed it's just the media says we're not uh, so i can have a latino superhero because my mom's my superhero it's very easy for me i can have a latino villain because why not it's only fair so i said jalisco she danced Florico, like my mom did and the blades come out of her dress and so when she's dancing she can say deflect bullets so if you look at comic books they're all very objectifying they're very sexist they're very racist like i'm actually better off because i didn't read comics right now now did i research yes like i researched the top 10 comics just so i can try to be like okay how do i create a great graphic novel what can i do differently i have an all-female all-latina artist team and that was on purpose they are out there and there's always people with excuses i can't find them but honestly that means you don't try I hope that people just experience a new point of view. I mean, I'm the first universe of Latino superheroes and like that's really great, but it's also very sad because I'm the first superhero team. Why not change people's perspectives and say they can be the first one, they can do anything. Uh, and that is what I hope, to offer a new perspective. While studies show that most Americans believe the arts are vital to a well-rounded education, disparities still exist when it comes to who has access to quality arts programs. And COVID-19-related budget cuts only exacerbate those disparities as we witness arts and humanities programs disappear from classrooms. Look at Google Creative Youth Development. Look up arts education in your community. See who's, who's, who's beating that drum and ideally get behind them and learn, learn about the sort of points of advocacy. There's this thing called the Arts Action Fund. What they've been doing is collecting information about how elected officials are leaning or not leaning in terms of their support for the arts. Coming up on September 30th through October 2nd, we have our, our National Latinx Summit. You can go to our website. It's uh, nalak.org backslash National Latinx Summit. We have an incredible gamut of speakers ready that really represent our diaspora. I really hope folks can put that on their calendar, learn more, and join us for the summit as well. Art can help us communicate profound truths in ways that defy language, social status, or country of origin. But hey, if our public school curriculums aren't going to help breed the next generation of contemporary artists, we're going to have to focus on supporting local artists or organizations that fund creative opportunities for students. It might be the only way to ensure our community continues to be celebrated, documented, and given the representation it deserves. I'm Gabriela Fresquez for Radar 2021. Thanks for watching Radar 2021. Please like, subscribe, and comment down below and let us know what issues are important to you. Because let's be honest, there are a lot of issues to choose from. <laughs> so, so many.